You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 15. 15. So we left off with me uh, me in Vegas with a wild, crazy guy at uh, Flamingo. And here we are again. Right. I mean, you played so much poker on your trip because we were talking about whenever you show me how many hours you played this month. I mean, you just killed it in Vegas. Just pretty much. You must have played just constantly. Yeah, it was. You know, there's other things I like to do in Vegas, but this was a really poker heavy trip. Uh, I don't always get to play as much as I want, uh, anymore. So I think I, I'm more likely to actually be hitting up a lot of poker. Like before, like, uh, you know, two or three years ago, I was playing as much, uh, as much as I ever really wanted every week. The only thing keep holding me back was just my desire. So now it's kind of hit and miss. I have more responsibilities. So now when I'm in Vegas... Uh, whereas I might have been doing a little bit more. Now I'm just now poker's really a big thing for me. At least it was this trip. Right. So I guess okay, so we left off at the Flamingo and you said so I guess that was a profitable profitable session for you with that crazy maniac at your table. Yeah, it was kind of a tough uh tough go of the Las Vegas poker. I was not getting many hands and then uh, was kind of getting crushed, like a couple flush over flushes and just stuff like that that was really eating me alive. And I think it was kind of hard to get uh, ranges down because it's very different than uh, Texas Hold'em in Texas where you're a way deeper stack. And then finally kind of broke through with that Flamingo game. And I think at that point I was actually put uh, posting a profit for the trip since I cashed out of that one for about a $400 profit at Flamingo. Man, I'm sure that kind of puts your mind at ease knowing that overall you're up on the trip so far. Yeah, it really does. It's a uh, because you got. I think a lot of people will go for like two or three days, but when you're like on a seven day trip, that variance. I mean, you don't really know what it's going to do. So when you like three or four days in and you're positive, you're feeling really good because. If things go off the rails, it's, you know, not the worst because it's only three or four days of it. And if things go continue to go better, then, I mean, you're you're cashing out with a that much more of a profit. Right. It's kind of like if things go off the rails, it's, they can only go off so far if you're already up. You have a little bit of cushion before they go way off the rails. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, so this next uh, session... Like I say, it's not a. I don't have a ton of detailed hands. I should have taken better notes, but I did end up going to the Bellagio. Uh, first thought wasn't it just jam packed? It was jam packed. It was ridiculously packed, and I forgot. I forgot to call into Bravo, so it was a little bit of a wait. I liked. It. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, we get in there and we come in a. It's a little bit of a wait to get on a table. End up playing one three, and it's a pretty soft table. Uh, it's one of the, it was one of the softer tables I had had when I was in Vegas. Nobody was going crazy crazy like Flamingo, where someone's just out of their mind, just 
playing blind and betting at every single flop. But it was a lot of a lot of passive limping. Then, I mean, there was one guy who didn't seem to really know how the hands even went. So I was like, I was like, okay, this is this feels really good. Uh, the one thing that really happened at that table that I really enjoyed was I was so card dead. I did not enjoy that. Uh, but I finally get King Jack suited. Uh, it's limp, 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 and I kind of have a tight image because I just because I'm been really card dead. It's I raise it up with King Jack suited to like twenty, and get several callers, and I whiff the flop, just complete miss. Uh, I ch- I end up checking it. I'm like, well, there's just too many good. There's too many in the spot to be really c betting without any really backdoor draw without some type of equity, but every it checks all the way around. So the next card is an ace, and it checks to me. And I'm like, well, this is something I can really rep. It helps me none at all, but definitely seems like I can rep this. I go ahead and bet, uh, I believe, $45 and get called two ways. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm kind of done here. Except the river pulls off another ace. And they check to me. I'm like, I am the the one most likely to have an ace in my range. The river ace makes it way less likely that they have an ace. I'm just pulling the trigger, and I bet like $110 into the pot. They both fold. And, you know, my, my friend's like, oh, good, nice hand. And he's one who I don't think bluffs hardly ever. I'm like, thank God it, thank God it went through. And I turn it over for a king high bluff. And never, and nobody was too happy. I mean, and the other people in the hand that weren't in the hand, they found it entertaining. But that those were the only ones. Man, that always feels good to take one down on the river, but kind of a dangerous game because you try to go back to the well once or twice or twice. Doesn't always work. Oh yeah, I don't do. It's more fun for me because I don't really have river bluffs as a huge part of my game. I feel like trying to get people off of like you know top pair hands and and hold them is just it's just not gonna work out that well. But I have mostly from seeing you do them here and there, I have added it into my game a little bit. So it always feels good to take one down, especially when it's not a big part of your uh, arsenal. Absolutely. So where did you go after Bellagio? Uh, after Bellagio. Well, let me say, I cashed out Bellagio. Nothing nothing gigantic, but a $200 profit. So now I'm kind of getting a little bit of a feel and getting a little bit of a roll going. Uh, so now I've got a little bit of a profit. We're into the trip quite a bit. I'm making a couple moves that I feel, uh, I'm feeling better at. And 1-3 plays very short stacked there. So this is where I'm like, okay. 2-5 is playing quite a bit deeper. People are, you're able to buy in for a little bit more than 100 blinds, and then people are rebuying as well. So, I want to take a shot at it. And I see Venetian has a 2-4 game going. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's a, uh, you know, not quite 2-5. So, I can buy in for 400, but a little bit deeper and a little bit more what I'm used to. 
So I go over, the, and not to mention, I've always loved the Venetian poker room. I think it's a beautiful poker room, and they do a good job. I have not played there in probably two to three years because Sheldon Addison is a proponent to really keep online poker illegal. Well, Venetian's been sold. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, Sheldon Addison passed away, which I don't wish that on anybody. But he's no longer the owner, and Venetian's been sold since then. So now that they don't have that reputation of being against online poker, I'm like, I would love to go try this, and it's got a game I really am interested in. So I go on the two four streets, and I'm in there, and, you know, you... I will say it wasn't that bad. I mean... The big thing I've noticed in Vegas at 2-4 and 2-5 was you really don't get the, like, just complete nut job players. They just have no idea what's going on. But there's still a lot of, I noticed a lot of people still giving up value and all of that. And I'm making making headway here. I'm, I'm just really flopping top pair, taking these people to value town until a certain hand comes up. Boy. It's a... Uh, there's a lot more three betting in two four, and I end up with queens. I end up someone raises. I three bet with queens. Someone goes all in for not that much more than my original three bet, and that other player cold calls. Ooh, uh, I think I made that three bet like. Uh, 80, and I think the player who went all in was all in for like 200, and then another player calls. This is might be a spot I should go over the top with to isolate. Yeah, I agree. But I'm like, well, these players kind of get a little tricky and stuff. I really didn't, I didn't want to flush out all the worst hands just to have him be kind of planning this and be sitting that back there with aces or kings. I guess if it has aces or kings, it just is what it is. Yeah. But I just call. So there's 600 in the pot. And I end up flopping queens. It is, oh, it is ace, queen, like 10. Or like ace, queen, like 8. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. If this guy has, like, ace-queen, ace-jack, or something like that, he checks it to me. I immediately bet, like, 200. Uh, I try to, you know, it's only about a third pot. I was trying to keep him in there. He ends up folding. And it runs out with my set of queens. And, of course, the guy who was all in uh, flips over pocket aces for a bigger set. Oh, man. Did the other guy say what he had? He never said what he had, so... I mean, he was a fairly aggressive player. I think there's a lot of things in his range that he could have. But it's a... I'm not real certain, but that that won't... One, sometimes one hand just... I don't think I was playing badly after that, but it seems like sometimes you get that one hand and things just like kind of pile up, and you're like, oh, God, what's happening here? Almost like it takes some momentum out of you, right? Yeah, and like I say, I, I didn't notice any huge gap in my play, but 
it's a after that hand, it just kind of tumbled down, and it went from like me having like four hundred dollar profit to cashing out with a minus one one hundred twenty dollars. Ooh. So not the not the worst, but it kind of was like a killer because you know it was me kind of not shot taking. It's not that much bigger stakes, but it is a little bit. I was bumping up the stakes a little bit, and you would have liked to seen a profit right there. Well, I mean. You're going to get set over set so many times, so, I mean, this is just one of them, I guess. Yeah, but I do love the Venetian Poker Room, and now that, like, they don't have that reputation of just, you know, battling against online poker, at least not that I know of anymore, uh, it's one of those that I really do want to spend some more time at. I think the rake structure is not quite as friendly as some of the other poker rooms, from what I hear, but when I go to Vegas... I love seeing the different rooms. Like, it drives me crazy when I see someone like, as much as I like Ben Deitch, uh, he will go and, like, I think plays almost exclusively at the win when he goes. And I love the variety and going to different places. So I'm definitely, that's that the Venetian's definitely on my radar of playing a little bit more often when I go. Well, I mean, that's the same thing with, like, Boski. He always plays at the win and other players but do you think they do that because they're regs there and they're trying to accumulate points well yeah i think like it doesn't annoy me like with boski because he's just trying to get the best tournaments which they have but if you're going on vacation like it it wouldn't annoy me like for the like the local people but if it was jamin before jamin you know went to vegas but he actually did go to uh, quite a few different casinos uh, or someone taking a trip. I mean, why not? You only get that so often. Why not, you know, kind of enjoy all the different ones? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm definitely going to swim by the Venetian when I end up going to Vegas here in a bit. And so, uh, But I get there, and I really get it in my... I get in that 2-4 game and realize that there are a lot of leaks there. They're a little bit different than the 1-3, but I get the urge to kind of go back. Uh, I give the win, which I never played until this trip in Vegas, and it was just an amazing poker room. I go to their 2-5 game, and again, nothing crazy that I hit. I think I hit one set, but I got a lot of top pair type stuff. I quit being card dead. Uh, had a couple three bets that just took pots down, and leave there nine with a nine hundred and twenty dollars in profit. That's so, super nice. That's really good when you know you're just tr trying to kind of move up in stakes, and then you get that real that hit where you're like, and don't get me wrong, I'm very well aware that one session can be really due to variance, and I do believe variance is on my side here too, but. It's still nice to get that win. I have a funny win story for you, if you oh. want to hear it real quick. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> um, so with the first time I went to the win, I'll make it quick, but I remember I wanted to go play at the win really bad because I've seen it online and everything, right? It's like, I have to go play at the win. This was a few years ago. I, I didn't have an Uber or anything, so I ended up walking to the win. took me like 45 minutes, almost an hour to get there, right? Where were you? Um, oh, I don't even remember. It was the first time I went to Vegas. Okay. So I just want to stay at the stratosphere, but I didn't walk oh. from the stratosphere. I walked from a different casino because it looked close, but it's not that close. 
<laughs> That's a first summer in Vegas right there. I could see that. So I remember walking. I only had one bullet, like one buy-in basically, right? And I remember thinking, I was like, how much should I buy in for? And I was like, you know what? I better save 20 bucks for the cab ride home. Because, you know, this was a long walk. And I was like, I'll be real sad if I don't, if I have to walk like really late at night or something. Yeah. I buy in, I get my chips. I don't get my chips. I give them to the brush or whatever. So they're like, all right, we'll give you chips. He's, you know, 300 behind. First hand dealt, I get pocket kings, right? I raise, get a collar. The flop comes ace, ace, ace. For ace is full of kings. Right? Oh, God. <laughs> what a hand. Right? So... This is the first hand. I don't actually have any chips yet. We end up, uh, I think on the turn, we get all in. He had ace-10 offsuit. Oh, he flopped quad aces to your kings full of aces. Before, So I remember before I got the chips, I was already busted out. Oh, ouch. And she came up with the chips whenever I was getting up, and she's like, here you go. And I said, just put them over there. <laughs> oh, that is so sad. It was that was my win experience. The first time I played at the win, and then I was so happy I had that money for the taxi ride home. I can kind of see that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then, uh, happy story. Then I went and played two five for the first time at the win. Last time I was in Vegas, and it worked out pretty good. But I just traumatized with that first hand in Vegas or first hand at the win. I was like, this is going to be great. And I walked in. I said, this room is amazing. Yeah, first hand. I said, well. With no other, but with just one buy-in. So you had to go actually play one hand, lose it all, and then get up and just walk away as she gave the chips to the other guy. <laughs> yep, because she came to give them to me, and I just had to just keep on walking. That's horrible. Oh, God, what a horrible story. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, luckily this this one this one story went better. So, uh, But, yeah, it's... So I was gaining a lot of confidence after that uh after that yeah. session. Um but uh so I'm wrapping up. I got only got two more sessions. I then go to two five Aria, which is a there's a this is a pretty tough table. Aria had uh like by far I think the the toughest competition. I think it had one of the best rake structures and in turn had like the toughest competition. But I was killing it, and I was up over a grand. I remember calling you, and I'm like, hey, I'm up over a grand. And now, like, I'm real, my Vegas trip's going really well. And I am just, you know, doing great. Uh, I had one, which was a pretty nasty suck out, where I had Ace Deuce, and. I had flopped an ace. I had to. I called a bet, which was a big bet because it was three bet. Uh, I think it was a three bet pot, but it was a raised pot, pretty good. I turned trips, and then I had ace. No, the uh, there was like ace ace four seven, and the last four came on the river, giving me the boat, and I was a little nervous that I was up against a better ace. I was actually up against pocket sevens for a boat and the board paired giving me a bigger boat. And I mean, you know, got paid off and uh, completely luck boxed my way to that win. (laughs) 
But uh, I was, uh, but I was playing pretty well for the most part outside of that luck box win. Isn't it kind of crazy when one of those hands happens, and then like you got to think like you're that guy's now bad beat story. That is true. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was like during the WSOP, you always hear these people like I'm like this bad beat story, this bad beat story, and I was like, you never hear the other way around. You never hear <laughs> like, man, I was crushed, but then. But then the magical two hit for my for my pocket deuces that I called all the way down for. Because for every bad beat story, there's there's a opposite one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but then things go off the rails. Uh, I get into a three bet pot that doesn't go my way, uh, and it just crashes. And I mean, I'm at a fun table too. I've got like one guy from Seattle who's really enjoy enjoyable he was so he comes up and he's like we're talking about like different vloggers and stuff and he's like yeah he's like i like andrew nemi a lot i'm like you know he's here he's like no he isn't <laughs> i'm like i'm pretty certain i saw him right outside the poker room he's like oh man that would be so cool i wish that was true and i look over and i'm looking at andrew nemi playing plo over there i'm like it's 100 percent true man i'm looking at him i'm like yelling andrew and, I'm, and they're like do you know him and i'm like no <laughs> so it was uh and i mean there was this girl who's real friendly she's a vegas local she had a uh, vegas local and we were kind of talking about what it was like to live in vegas so it was a real fun table except for one dude who was super weird it was a uh, it man it was really so it's this really fun table everybody's good players so it's good competition this one guy comes to my left he sees it shorthand. He's like, I'm not going to play a shorthanded table, which is fine, but the tone was very weird. And then he's like, I'm going to sit over there to like two spots to my right. Okay. Then they're like, he's like, oh, but I do have to play the blind. They're like, well, yeah, you can't just skip the blind. Okay, I'm moving back. And so he does all of this. Well, okay, in, I'm like, I can see it since something's a little off. Well, these two players get into a gigantic pot. I mean, it's a river call for probably like $450 in a 2-5 game. He is taking a time, but I don't think it was anything that was crazy. It was like maybe two to it's three minutes. I mean, it was a minute. It was a little bit, but it wasn't anything like... It, I mean, it wasn't anything outside of the realm of... I mean... I nobody found it weird that he was taking that long at a pot for a pot this size. The guy calls clock on him and you know, eventually they do the clock and all that and he's like, Man, I you know, I didn't think I was taking that long for that and the guy just gets super defensive and just starts going off and's like and walks out walks by him and calls him a punk ass bitch. Well the guy who was taking the time? He's like, calls the floor. He's like, is that allowed? And all that. Well, the floor starts getting on to both of them, which this guy has done nothing. I mean, he's not said anything except, like, I thought it was justified in the time. And I thought it was super weird. But this guy just keeps on just doing weird stuff. And I'm finally, I'm like, I'm done. The table dynamics are very weird right now. So I'm going to take my little, I think I had $150 of profit where I did have a grand. And just, I was like, I at least want to see this session go positive. So I went my way home. I went my way back to the hotel. 
from there. But that was the Aria experience. It was very, very interesting table. Sounds interesting. I know it's a very popular room, so I mean it's very nice, but you know, you're definitely not looking for the toughest competition in town when you go. It it, it seems to be a pretty uh tough game there. It was a. I mean, there's a lot of. It's a lot of aggressive. It's a lot of three and four bets. I mean, everybody for the most part kind of knew what was going on. I did get called very light on one weird bomb pot hand, but it was a. It was a tough table. But I mean, I kind of wanted to see how I did against the, the tougher competition. So I kind of enjoyed. I kind of enjoyed it. it. Was kind of what I was looking for at that exact moment. Well, good thing you found it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now I'm going to. I got one day left in Vegas, and I'm scared. To, like I have like at this point like eight hundred dollars in profits. Nothing big, but you want the trip to be positive. So you telling me like do do another two five session or whatever, and now I'm scared because I'm like, well. If I do one three, it's things have to go horribly wrong for me to not at least get some type of profit. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. And I, then I'm like, man, I just kind of want to just you know wrap it up and just take my profits and be like, okay, this was a good, a good, uh, a good trip. You know, nothing crazy, but it's profitable. I end up going to Caesar's Palace. The Caesar's Palace is the probably the poker room I feel the most at home in. I was debating on doing two five or one three. I get to the where they're doing the uh, where you get the, on the table and look at my wallet. And I only have enough for one three. I didn't even bring enough for two five. So I'm like, well, I'm doing one three. It's kind of what I want to do anyways to kind of lock this up. Best decision that's ever happened to me because I went to this one three table and I'm like. I get three four suited, three four of clubs. I make it fifteen. I'm getting splashy here when I'm raising <laughs> yeah. three four of clubs. It probably the nittiest room in Vegas. Uh, I get three bet to fifty. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then this like by this guy, and then this girl cold calls. I'm like, this is gonna be <laughs> tough justification. But it's $35 to win $115. let us see what happens. I call. <laughs> Two clubs come out with an ace. So I check it. He bets a decent amount. I think it was like 50 or 60 bucks. She folds. I'm like, well... If I call, I'm pot stuck anyways. I mean, this, and I did not play three, four of clubs to flop two clubs and then go away peacefully. <laughs> so I jam over the top. He snap calls. <laughs> and the turn is a magical club, in, in, which is the best thing in the world. Because not only do I win the pot, double up my stack instantly, which I should have been probably just taking my ass back to the hotel. <laughs> but now everybody thinks I'm the biggest fucking donkey in the world. And they're like, well, that's poker. Some people are just like that. I'm like, and you know, I'm like, well, I'm playing into this image. I mean, 
Because right now, I look like a dumbass. <laughs> but, you know what? We're going to go with this. So, I instantly, within three hands, double up. About three hands later, I get ace-king. I'm like, well, okay. I A guy raises to ten. Which seems it's kind of a small raise, one three. And I'm like, well, Ace King, we're we're not gonna go stay here at ten. I make it forty. Well, it goes back around. He shoves all in for like mm, no, I don't think I make it four. I think it was a raise and a call, and I made it like fifty or sixty. Uh but whatever whatever it was. He shoves over the top. Uh, and I mean, for a gigantic amount. Like, I mean, I think it was like $350 or something. I'm like, well, I've kind of, you know, you know how we are with Ace King. We're not letting it go very easily. Right. It's for a lot running at once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I, if I got, if he's got aces or kings, I think it's just, I'm just going to have to deal with it here. And I put in the call. And the flop whiffs. Nobody showed their cards yet. Wait, no, I have showed my cards. He has not showed his cards. So the turn whiffs. And the king hits the river. And I'm like, ooh, maybe I think I just sucked out on him. And then he shows king-queen offsuit for, like, I mean, there was never a queen. So I was I was good with ace high the entire time. But... And that was another gigantic pot. This dude buys in probably seven times through the night and barrels every single time, every single flop. And I caught fire against him. I have pocket eights, which ended up being an overpair, where he fired three barrels for a full $300. I flopped a set where he th- fired three barrels for $300. Uh, it was a top pair. Ace Jack, three barrels for three. So this happens over and over again. And the people at the table, I mean, we're having a good time. We're talking, but you can tell they hate me because this is the guy that you dream of having at your table dream of having that hand against uh, that hand against him that you know like okay I can make a ton of money and I'm running hot as shit on this table so it gets crazier I end up with pocket tens I raise it up big like I have been it's the two collars and the flop is oh god let's see here he had turned a queen so the flop would be I think all unders and I bet big and I get both calls so I'm a little nervous the turn is a queen i'm sorry it was a paired it was all enders but it was a paired board okay uh the turn's a queen it goes check check to me and then i check it because really in all honesty there was no flush draws there were no straight draws and 
nobody should have. It was like an unders of fours, like a paired board of fours. But I just had no idea what anybody could have here. So I check it. The river's a 10. I river a boat. In a pot where I raise, nobody three bet, so nobody can ever have pocket queens here. I have the effective nuts outside of like quad fours. And to boot, the 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 uh, early position guy leads out for a hundred dollars. I'm like, oh god, this is a dream come true. The dream gets better when the other guy calls. I have no idea what anybody's as. I have everybody covered by a lot. I end up going all in. Because I'm like, they have to have something that's pretty big here. Yeah. And they both fold. What? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what was going on. I don't. I never found out what the early position guy had. Because I just, it was completely baffled. Uh, the middle position guy just said he had king-queen. Said he floated. Which, he seemed sincere. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, in there. So, I end up leaving Caesar's Palace with a $2,700 profit in a $300, in a 1-3 game with a $300 max buy-in. So, that was my last session right before I went to catch the airplane. Jeez, and that was your biggest session ever. I think biggest session ever. Yeah, well, yeah, outside of tournament score. I think I've had a tournament score that might have been bigger. Right, right. But uh, biggest cash game session ever. That's always awesome. So, yeah, that felt really, really good. Uh, I mean, to go from, you know, what's a decent trip to just amazing was just, you know, right at the last second. Man, it felt so good. Jeez, I bet. Because whenever you told me like you didn't know if you're gonna you had been playing two five and two four and then you were gonna go back down to one three so you didn't you know have an uh, unprofitable trip I was like eh, I don't know I don't think it really matters if you play here or in Houston you know it's all kind of one the cards don't know where your location oh you're right I mean it's, it was definitely a just a mental thing so I think like. You're real strong like, as far as mentally. Like, I mean, if you're running bad, you're able to, you know, kind of put put it where it needs to be. Or if you're running good. I think for me, like, there's certain little things, like, just checkpoints, I guess, I need. Where I was like, I wanted this to be a profitable trip. So, and you're right. In the long run, it ceases to matter. Whether, I mean, if you're going to win, you're going to win. If you're a losing player, you're going to lose. Uh it was just something I wanted for this trip. So, yeah, but yeah, you're in the long run, you're a hundred percent right. But you know, it's not mental. Not having the money to play two five. That's not mental. That'll keep you at the one three table for sure. That is very true. I mean, it was amazing because just like accidentally not putting enough in there for that. Maybe it was a subconscious thing, but man, what a lucky draw for a table. It's always crazy to think like when there's two tables and you have a crazy session. How it's like. You know, what if you were at the other table? Just, I don't know. I kind of, I guess that's what I think about when I'm card dead. But we won't yeah. go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> well, it made me think about, like, 2-5, I believe, is pretty beatable in Vegas. But 1-3, if you're getting, like, just nut jobs at the 1-3 tables, 
it's I wonder which is more profitable in the long run. I mean, we we talked about it. And I think we said probably two five. But right, because I think we talked about if you're not seeing a lot of people, you know, um, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure there are people making a living on one three, but if you don't regularly see it, you know, it's because they're somewhere else, right? Yeah, I I guess it. I guess it just depends on finding the right table at the right time, really. Because, I mean, you could definitely do it at, like, 88 now, right? Because, I mean, they're such so deep-stacked 1-3. Oh, yeah. But, like, the 1-3 in Texas, uh, like I say, I can't e- I can't specify enough, like, how big of a difference it is when you're when the average stack is $900 versus, like, 200 250 Right, because like you said, it kind of takes away all the implied odds, and then it really limits the amount of hands you can play, which kind of, I don't want to say takes the fun out of it, but you definitely have to adjust your strategy. And if your strategy, if you're stronger at deep stack poker, kind of kind of tough. Yeah, it's a, well, I mean, it takes the advantage away a little bit too. Because, okay, if you're a, not a great player, and you're only 60 blinds deep, you can't make that big of mistakes. Oh, I mean, you're kind of flopping top pair, decent kicker, getting the money in, and that's always okay at that blind level, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. And, yeah, if you're a... Uh, but if they're deep stacked, I mean, if somebody's $600, I mean, if you, you'd you much rather capitalize on someone's $700, $700 mistake than their, you know, $150 mistake. Do you think that the two five in Vegas and the one three, the deep one three, when you're at those right tables, are about this even, about the same? You think, or you mean the two five in Vegas to the one three here? Oh, I just, did I say it backwards? Yeah, that's that's what I meant to say. Yeah, uh, I think the one three here compares way better to the two five in Vegas. Uh, for like stack size, depth, uh, the big thing that's missing here the at Vegas is. Since one three is still the smallest game, I think you still get the worst players. I think the I will say this: I think it's way more profitable to play in Texas right now than it is in Vegas. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's you know, good for anyone listening. Well, it seems like we have listeners everywhere, but good for yeah. the ones in Texas. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I think there's a fun funness in Vegas of seeing like all these poker celebrities of having like the place be around you know, built around, you know, gambling and poker. Uh, the rooms, I mean, as nice as the rooms are in Houston, they're not comparable to the Win Bellagio and Aria. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty <laughs> tough competition. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> your random building on a, you know, a street corner is not really comparable. Uh, so it's not, yeah, it's just the games are way better here. But here's what I've been dying to ask you. Um... So if you had to rank your top five casinos or poker rooms, not casinos, but the top five poker rooms, what do you think you're going with? Ooh, man, this is tough. Uh, so I think I'm going to go with top five, starting from five of the worst, the five worst well, I mean, just not worse, but the bottom. Yeah, the <laughs> bottom of my list. Yeah. Uh, I think Bellagio makes fifth place. 
I know everybody loves Bellagio. I know everybody's going to be like, what in the hell? <laughs> but there's uh, it just doesn't do anything for me personally. I enjoy it. There were a couple different things I had a problem with. They had an open seat forever in a game I was in. Didn't fill it until I went and got the f- a floor with like 40 people on the list. Things like that where things don't run real smoothly kind of annoy me. I mean, it still blows my mind that the Bellagio can have 40 people on the list and not have more dealers. Do you think it's just, uh, do they just not have the dealers? Do they not have the room? Well, I mean, it seemed like that entire place was almost taken up. So, uh, I don't know if they, if it was the dealers, the room. Well, I mean, and you want the list kind of high because you want it filtering into those games, too. I mean, you don't want to have 30 games that are just getting broken up non-stop because there's nobody on the list. True, but, okay, so Bellagio's number five. Hmm. Okay, I got one, two, three. What would be my fourth one? Probably, I'm going to go Golden Nugget. Oh, and you didn't even t- did you tell us about a Golden Nugget session? Yeah, we told uh, we talked about. Oh, one. last episode, gotcha. Okay, uh, it's downtown. It's the only place where it's a uh, no limit on the buy-in, so you can get crazy deep stack play. It's got a ton of fun bonuses that you have. Uh, it's just a nice environment. It was one of the ones that was really really enjoyable. So I would say Golden Nugget just makes for a more fun game, the more deep stacked. It's just, I just liked it. It was, I mean, the poker room itself wasn't anything crazy. Like the Bellagio is much nicer. But I, as far as me going there and having a good time, I felt like the Golden Nugget was a really cool place to go for like just having a good time playing poker, which is what I'm looking for. All right, number three. Number three is easy, Caesar's Palace. Uh, I just love I love the openness of the room. It's I hate rooms that are closed off. Ooh, yeah, the uh, you get a ton of you get more tier credits at a uh, Caesar's Palace than other places, which drives a lot of locals there, which doesn't always make for the best games. But I like Caesar's Resort, so I I personally get points there so i enjoyed that factor of it uh i know it's not rated as one of the best poker rooms in vegas but it's just a fun room to play in for me it's uh i enjoy i enjoy it being right by the sports book where you can kind of see in the sports book right in kind of in the middle of everything it's just a uh definitely a fun a fun place to play all right what about number two number two is easy as well uh the aria Aria, great. I mean, if you're in 2-5, it was a great rake structure, too. Uh, you have all the bigger limit games if you want, if you so choose to play. Uh, they used to have a daily tourney. I think, I'm not sure if they still are going on it, but it's really a, uh, used to be a really good one. You have a lot of different things, like Poker Go Studios is right there. So all the dealers, we were kind of talking with the dealers about how they, you know, deal over there and what it was like. It's just a really, it's one of the few places you go in Vegas 
where it's like just a really cool poker experience. Like all the main poker players are kind of over there. And it's just a super nice room. The lighting is kind of dim, which is kind of cool. It's just a really nice casino, and I'd I'd say number two easily. All right. What about what's your number one poker room then? The one I did not play until this trip, the win. I just love the win. <laughs> it was just the most fun experience. I had a ton of great tables. The dealers were all great. Uh, I enjoyed kind of like, again, I kind of enjoyed the openness of this room. Uh, the waitresses were amazing. There was just nothing in the win experience that I did not really enjoy. It's kind of crazy because all the vloggers talk about that, how nice the win is. So Yeah, I wanted to try it out because everybody talks about it. But uh, I never tried it out. But it was just a super nice room and could not have been more impressed with that one in general. All right, we'll go kind of quick on these next few. What about your top? Let's do top three sports books. So I know you know mainly talking about poker here, but I'm sure some people have some interest in the sports book. Ooh, uh, so I don't do a ton over there. I will say this: the one I would suggest you have to go see is Circa. As that's your number one. That's over in downtown. Yeah, I'm gonna give that as number one. Okay. It's like this gigantic stadium seating, and it was just super cool. Uh, it's da- yeah, like I say, it's downtown, so you definitely need to just go check out that resort. Very awesome. Uh, two and three. I haven't gone to a ton of them. I love Venetian. Mm-hmm. It's just gigantic, and it's just kind of awe-inspiring when you look at it. I'm going to have to go with that one, and I really like Caesar's Palace. I guess I'm a big fan of Caesar's Palace, because I don't think it's known <laughs> highly for its sports book, but I really enjoy that one as well. Well, I like that sports book, because you can see it from the poker room. So, I mean, I don't know. I agree. I, it looked really nice when we were there. So Yeah, I think that's maybe why I'm fond of it, is I just see it over there, and it always looks so nice over there. Okay, what about, like, not gambling-wise, what about, like, maybe the top three things to see in Vegas at aren't gambling Ooh, uh, I think the things that I personally like I love the, I think the high roller gives you such a cool view and such a cool experience I think a lot of people need to try that out you suggested that for me whenever um, my girlfriend and I went to Vegas and that was a really cool experience Everyone liked that. Everyone on in the little ball liked it. Yeah, it's such a cool experience. It's definitely something that I think, if it's uh, your first time to Vegas, that is something that you need to do. Uh, for me, I really enjoy, like, especially since I go seven days. I guess if you don't know what the high roller is, oh, it's that giant Ferris wheel. Oh, yeah, we should probably yeah, explain that. Yeah, uh, yeah, a giant... Yeah, like it's a one of the world's tallest, like you'd say, like Ferris wheel, but yeah. instead of like in a car, you're in like little, like a little globe room with uh, like price eight, eight or nine other people. Right, and we did the drinking package, and that's definitely the way to go. It seems. Uh, I wish, yeah, I would do that again if I did that. Uh, so that was super cool. I like the pinball hall of fame. I like to get away from everything, just go and have some kind of nice, wholesome fun. 
I think that is super cool. I really want to check that out uh, whenever I go to Vegas here in a few months. So I've never been. Where is yeah. it located? Uh, kind of across from Mandalay Bay. They just moved to the Strip. They used to not be on there, but now they're like right across from like Mandalay Bay into the like maybe like half a mile down. When you go there, um, or is it free to play, or how does it work? When you no, it, it's not free, but pretty much all the pinball machines are about like fifty cents to a dollar. And I mean, it's got pinball machines from like the nineteen forties and stuff like that, all the way to like new new stuff and like some video games. It's just kind of a cool way to kind of get away from my, all of it. Uh, and the other thing, the other two things I think are really cool. I went to the Luxor Esports arena that they just put in. And that is a really cool experience. I both me and you, you like League of Legends. I like Overwatch. That's a really uh something you. I think if you have like a teenager, kids, or anything like that, man, that's a. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be as someone with a thirteen year old, I'd be hard pressed not to stay at the Luxor when I go there. Yeah, I mean the pictures you showed me looked awesome. So it was so cool. So I think that's really cool. Uh. And man, I could I could go all on all, on all day, but it's a yeah. Those would be the I guess the things that I would immediately pop into mind. Um, so I guess overall the Vegas trip was a pretty big success. It was a pretty big success. I'm really I know you're going to Vegas in only like a month or so, and I'm looking forward to seeing how you compare everything. I like I I know like what I feel about the rooms, what I feel about the games, and all that. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing your perspective on all of it. Absolutely, and I guess next episode we'll be back to more. Um, what's it called? More uh, Texas poker. Yeah, <laughs> right. Just kind of concludes sessions the and all that. <laughs> right, but I guess as far as this goes, this concludes Clint's Vegas trip. This concludes the episode of the Texas Poker Podcast. We'll see you guys next week. Subscribe, throw a like, shoot us a message on Instagram. We'll see you next week. <laughs> That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.